This morning, the investigation into a secret meeting that included the Texas House Speaker widens. We'll tell you who else is now seeking answers. As long as I can be effective, as long as I can do the job that the people sent me to Washington to do, uh, I'm going to keep doing it. We're also talking to Republican Representative Ron Wright about his fight against cancer and what's ahead as Congress prepares to get back to work. This is Lone Star Politics from NBC5 and the Dallas Morning News. Good Sunday morning. I'm Julie Fine from NBC5, along with Gromer Jeffers, political reporter with the Dallas Morning News. Good morning, Gromer. Good to see you, Julie. Good to see you, too. You know what I just realized? This What's is that? our last Sunday without football for a very long time. Oh, that's just true. Yes. You're right. And I'm ready for the season. I am so ready for the season. And Congress is preparing to head back to work. And this morning, we're taking a closer look at some of the issues that are expected to be on the agenda. Joining us this morning, Representative Ron Wright of Arlington. Thank you so much for being with us, Thanks Congressman. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. Couple more weeks, you've had a busy work period, then you'll yeah. go back to Congress. First priority. Well, the first priority, I think, uh, you're going to see probably a gun bill come up very quickly. Uh, then we're going to go into some final appropriations and things like that. Unfortunately, there's a, a lot of really big things hanging out there that probably will not get done. Uh, we need, desperately need the infrastructure bill. We need comprehensive immigration reform. I can go down the list. USMCA, they're all being held up because of essentially petty politics in the, in the House. Um, but a lot of smaller things are getting done. They're getting done on a bipartisan basis, and that's going to continue. But I think one of the first things we're going to see is, is probably the gun bill. You recently wrote an editorial about guns in the Washington Examiner. Mm -hmm. You know, what is your position on what should happen with this? Well, my, my first position is let's not do something stupid just so we can prove we're doing something. Uh, there's a lot of pressure for, co for Congress to act, obviously. And we need to act. We need to address this. But we need to be smart about it. We need to do something that will actually work, that will have, actually have an effect. Um, so you don't want to rush in and do something just because it sounds good or makes us feel good. We need to do something that, we, that there's reason to believe it will actually uh, curb the violence, stop some of the mass shootings, and, and uh, not go into something that we can say we did something but doesn't have an effect. So what does that mean? What, for instance, the gun bill, what will be in it? Will we get well, universal background checks in some of the... I think that's probably going to be part of it. Uh, you're going to... You're going to see a, a, a bill that's probably loaded up. Uh, it's going to be written by the majority party, the Democrats, and uh, it's, it's, you're going to see that. You're going to see universal background checks, probably. You're going to see where they want to outlaw uh, entire classifications of guns. You're going to see red flags, red flag laws as right. part of it. Uh, and my position is let's, let's slow down and talk through some of this. I realize we've got to act. We have a responsibility. But... We also have, have to do what's right for the American people and respect their rights, their Second Amendment rights, uh, to, uh, you know, to, to have arms. So what can you compromise on? What, what can you get done? What can both parties come together we, and pass right now? Here, here's the thing. What, what both parties can pass is going to be tough. And what's that? And uh, I, I think that because you have to also look at what the Senate is willing to accept. And that's going to, and, and then obviously the White House, what they'll accept. Um, let me just throw out a couple of, of examples. You know, we, 
the Democrats always want to go for the guns. But the guns aren't the problem. We need to be asking the question, why is this happening at all? What is it that is causing these young, you know, alienated young men to make the choice to get a gun and go kill people? And that has less to do with the guns than it does, you know, some kind of societal problem, mental health problem. But we need to start identifying what that is and address those things. And some of it's going to be cultural, to be perfectly honest. And so I was glad to, to hear the president even bring that up, because the other side doesn't even want to talk about culture. Where, where are you in universal background checks? I mean, some from both parties have said this is an option. Well, it is an option, but here's the thing. That is not going to stop. If you look at, 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 at all of the, the, the past shootings, it wouldn't have stopped most of them. And what I want to do is let's come up with something that will actually have an effect, not just sound good, not just prove that we're doing something, but something that will actually have an effect on, on these mass shootings. So what, what would that be? We've got to address the, we've got to address the person okay. that's so doing it. Is there any, uh, uh, you want to address the person, so is there any sort of gun control policy that you would back whether it's universal background checks or what, something red, red flags. Right. What I want is to have the conversation first. I'm, I'm open, okay? I want to have a, a serious discussion about what will work. Right. About what will work. Red flag laws. They sound good, right? But who's going to make that decision? What's their criteria? What are the protections to the American right. people? And if a mistake is made, how quickly are they going to correct it's that not, mistake? Sounds and, like we're not going to have a gun bill. And so, well, right? I, I think, uh, I think, for one thing, there's already been a gun bill passed the House. Okay. Right. It's not going anywhere in the Senate. Right. And so uh, that bill's there. Uh, now I voted against it. Most Republicans voted against it because it was loaded up with stuff that doesn't matter. It was it was a a, a political statement more than anything else. Um, but that bill is there. If the Senate wants to act on it, the Senate could pass it on and bring it over to the House. But I think to really address this the way it needs to be addressed, we need to be intelligent about it and, and try and find things that will actually have an effect. 17 states have red flag laws. There's no data to suggest that they've had any effect. The state that has one of the oldest and broadest red flag gun confiscation laws is also the state with the most mass shootings, and that's California. No, okay. Let, uh, let me ask you about uh, ter uh, tariffs. President Trump is going for another round of tariffs against China. Right. You agree with that? I agree with it for now. Here's, here's the thing. We, can't, we know we can't continue down this road with, with a tariff war with China. But, as Lindsey Graham pointed out, we have a lot more bullets than they have. And right now, we know it's hurting them. China is not a good player, and we need to accept that fact. The, the biggest threat we have long term, yeah, Iran, Iran's a menace, Russia's a menace, but the biggest long term threat we have is China. And their modern economy is based on stolen technology, most of it ours, and they're still doing that. And if they will, simple, if they will simply behave on the international stage in terms of trade, then, then we, can, uh, we can correct some of this and, and those tariffs go away.
In the short time that we have left, we know it's been almost a year now that you have been being treated for lung cancer. It was yes. last September. And yes. actually, you just said it publicly very recently. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, we had a, sta a scan uh, a week ago, Monday. It has reduced even more. There's nothing in the liver or lymph nodes. Uh, it's been a remarkable, remarkable story by the grace of God in modern, modern medicine. Uh, it's worked. And uh, I had chemo Monday. I've worked all week. I'm here. And uh, we're, we're running again. I've already announced I'm running again. So uh, it's, uh, we're beating it. But thank you for asking. Congressman, thank you so much for being with us. My we pleasure. appreciate it. Thank you. Political turmoil for the Texas House Speaker continues up next. We're getting an update on the investigation into a secret meeting. Plus, the stage is set for the next Democratic presidential debate. Why nearly half of those still in the race won't take the stage in Houston. The political drama surrounding Texas House Speaker Dennis Bonin continues. This week, the top prosecutor in Bonin's home district of Brazoria County has joined the probe into Bonin's secret meetings with the conservative political activist. It was during that meeting the activist alleges he was offered an illegal quid pro quo. Joining us from Austin, the Dallas Morning News state government reporter James Berrigan. James, thanks so much for being with us. Hey guys, thanks for having me. James, let's start with this. Really, where does this stand right now? Well, as you said, the latest is that the Brazoria, uh, Brazoria County District Attorney has uh, joined the investigation. Now, this would have resulted um, if, so now it looks like the, the House General Investigating Committee has asked uh, them to, to, has asked the Texas Rangers to do the investigation. Texas Rangers were doing the investigation. And now the District Attorney from, from Bonin's home, hometown uh, has jumped into the investigation. In some ways, it's kind of a procedural move because if the Rangers found any uh, reasonable, uh, reasonable thought that there would be a crime, it, the the investigation would have been turned over to her anyway. So in some ways, it's a procedural move, but it keeps adding to the political drip, drip, drip of this narrative that hasn't gone away for about a month. So James, what what kind of crimes or potential crimes are they looking at? Are we talking about you know some sort of campaign finance violations, bribery, or or what? Yeah, I mean, I think Michael Quinn Sullivan has alleged bribery. That's the really big one, and that's the sexy one that everybody's talking about. From the legal experts that we've heard of, that's a really hard one to prove. I mean, it's up to the Rangers uh, to make that investigation and up to the prosecutor to make a determination on that, but that seems like the toughest one to prove. Um, and the, as you guys know, the Texas Democratic Party has also filed a lawsuit here in Travis County saying that there has been a slew of election uh, law violations and that they're going... Um, through their own lawsuit, going to try to f uh, prove ways that they've broken those types of laws of, uh, uh, you know, raising funds during a moratorium, raising funds at the Capitol, just a slew of election laws there. Um, so there's a couple of ongoing investigations. The sexiest one, I get again, is, is bribery, but that, again, is the most difficult one to prove. There have been a lot of calls for this audio of this meeting to be released, even from the speaker himself. Do you think that is a possibility at this point? Yeah, I think I think my mind changes every day on whether or not that audio is going to be released or not. Um, there's three different ways that could that, that could be released. One is through the Rangers investigation. The second is through the lawsuit that we were just talking about. And the third and most easiest is if Michael Quinn Sullivan just releases the recording, which many people, including Dennis Bonning, including Representative Burroughs, including Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick has said, let's just release this thing. Let's get it out there. Let the people listen to it and, and see what happens. 
And and I I was thinking that it was going to come out. Um, now I'm not so sure. I, I think eventually. Um, it will come out one way or another, but uh, when that will happen, uh, I'm not sure anybody can really tell you. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Uh, you any any reason why Michael Quinn Sullivan, based on your reporting, won't release it? Is he? I mean, what's his what's his theory on all of that? Yeah, I think that's the million-dollar question, right? Why, if if he he's the one that said right. he had the recording, he's the one that said, made the recording. Um, he let Speaker Bonin go out there and make his statements, and then Michael Quinn Sullivan's the one that said, "You're lying. I have the recording to prove it." So, if you have the recording to prove it, why not then release it and let the people hear it and just have the whole thing out? Um, he, I think it's a little bit of a leverage situation where, he, you know, we've been talking to this in the, uh, about this in the media for more than a month now. And so I think that's part of the reason why it hasn't been released. Um, he has said that he's, he's holding on to it to protect himself from any uh, mischaracterizations or lies that Speaker Bonin might say of him. Um, he has turned it over now to the Rangers, so the Rangers have it. Um, but again, he could easily release it any day now, um, and it's, it's unclear to me why he hasn't. I think one final thing uh, that he has thrown out there is that there's damaging things in there, uh, not just that Speaker Bonin says, but that would be damaging to the entire Republican Party. And so that's, I think that's the last argument holding them back from releasing the recording. But other than that, I mean, there's no real reason why not, uh, why he wouldn't be able to release it. James, you covered a house. Um, we can't get a Republican to come on this show to talk about this drama. What are you hearing uh, about how Republicans feel about the viability of the speaker? Will he survive? Can he get past this? That's a, that's a great question. I think the reason why you can't get a Republican in there to, to talk about this issue is that, I mean, the speaker holds a lot of power, and there's no guarantee that Speaker Bonin won't be speaker again when the next legislative session rolls around. I mean, it all depends on how this investigation goes, what happens during the investigation, whether there are charges pressed. And then, again, and then another thing that matters is, like, whether the Republicans win the election or if the Democrats succeed in taking the House, as they are pushing so hard for. But if the Republicans win next November and then you have a Republican House, I mean, Bonin is still in a strong position to, to be, become Speaker again. And so you don't want to be the person who came out there and said, I don't want this guy to be the Speaker, because then that places you in a bad situation when you're trying to get legislation passed, when you're trying to do uh, the job that the, the people of your district sent you there to do. So that's, I think, a, a little bit of the complication. But there are signs that there are starting to be uh, a little cracks and tears in the caucus. We saw a letter uh, last week from uh, 30 Republicans calling for their next election of their GOP caucus vice chair, the position that was vacated after Dustin Burroughs stepped down because of this scandal. There was 30 lawmakers who said, hey, let's do this in person. Let's talk this out. And, and nominally, it was to have this election. But in reality, I think it was to have a conversation about how they're going to move forward, how they're going to talk about Bonin and Burroughs and what they're going to do about it. And that was rejected. But you saw in there that it wasn't just the 10 people who were on this alleged target list that were asking for it. It was other people and some some powerful people, some former chairmen and chairwomen in there who were saying, like, let's let's have this out. Let's have a real conversation. So you're start, starting to see the tears. James, we appreciate you joining us. We'll see you soon in Austin. Thanks, guys.
And more than 20 Democrats continue their run for president, but only 10 will be on the stage for the next debate happening here in Texas. Who is in? Who is out? When Lone Star Politics continues. We are less than two weeks from the next Democratic presidential debate taking place right here in the Lone Star State. On September 12th, 10 candidates will take the stage at Texas Southern University in Houston. And this time around, there will not be a second night of debating because just 10 candidates met the qualification. The lineup includes our two Texas candidates, former El Paso Representative Beto O'Rourke and Secretary Julian Castro. They'll be positioned right next to each other on the far right. So what do you think about that, Grover? because the last time they were on the stage together on the same night. There they, they were fireworks, they, right? There were fireworks. Yeah. They really kind of went after each other. Yeah, that's when Castro kind of made a name for himself in this campaign by questioning uh, Beto O'Rourke's position on uh, whether to uh, make crossing the border illegally a criminal act or, or a civil act. So they got into it. I don't know if that'll be the case this time around because that's kind of old now, you know. They need to sort of fire at the at the front runners, or sort of find a way to to get ahead of of the many people that are that are ahead of them at this point. Not just Biden and and, um, and Elizabeth Warren, but also Kamala Harris and some of the other folks. So I don't know if they can do that by attacking each other. And of course, that's not in Beto's nature anyway to to be offensive like that. When you look at the debates before this one, what you see a lot is everybody going after former Vice President Joe Biden. This time around, it's not it's not a mixed group. It's the highest pollers that are there. So do you think they just go up against Biden or do you think Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren takes them incoming? I think they, uh, uh, Sanders and Warren takes incoming. I think they also unite again against that incoming. Their fight is coming down the line when the field winnows, I believe. So Biden, though, they, you know, the folks see a risk there. They see vulnerability in Biden, and they want to exploit that in the debate format where they think he's shaky, where he's not all that scripted, where he has to have impromptu moments. So they will fire at the king, yes. Do you think it ends up hurting Democrats in a way that they're all going after each other? In a way it does, because it, but they are so far away from Republicans on the issue that this is more like a family fight. What the Republicans will charge against the Democrats, they will do anyway, whether they fight against each other or not. So do you think in this one we will see more candidate on candidate or candidates against President Trump? I think you'll see Trump uh, come, name come up more in this debate because you have just one debate, fill of 10. But again, you'll see uh, uh, Bernie Sanders, Joe Biden, and Elizabeth Warren probably take some fire from the people that are down in the polls. What happens to those who didn't make the stage? Is there a path? I don't think so. If they're not talking about you, if you're not part of the debates, then you're not part of the conversation that voters are having. And so, you know, folks like Marianne Williamson and some of the others who will probably run campaigns to the end, uh, they poll, their poll numbers will drop e even further and maybe their fundraising will dry up as well. Secretary Julian Castro has had two strong debate performances. Do you expect that to continue? Oh, yeah, he's a solid debater. Uh, his, his problem is what to do after the debates and how to sustain that momentum. Well, we'll see that. And that's all the time we have. Thanks for joining us this morning. See you next Sunday.